Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hi-de-ho, I'm Uno Clay from Philadelphia, and I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon. In a world torn apart by angry pundits and ceaselessly acerbic news, the cheerful tone of Gen X Grown Up is always a welcome escape, not to mention endlessly entertaining, and sometimes even informative. If you want to support the show too, click on genxgrownup.com slash Patreon and toss them a couple bucks. It's the guaranteed way to gain the respect of your peers and immediate promotions at work. Not guaranteed in all 50 states. Some employers may see fit to demote you, and your peers will probably find you weird and distasteful. Results may vary. You are warned. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners, to this episode 142 of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I am John. Joining me as always, of course, is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? Would not be a show without Mo. Hey, man. How's it going, man? In this episode, we head to the theater to see a friendly black bear that gets its paws on some contraband. Just the latest <laughs> in digital tablets that would like to replace your pencil and paper. And jump into the ring with a new wrestling video game that has some serious Gen X roots. You have three guesses whose story that is and the first two do not count <laughs> damn it mo quit putting that stuff on the podcast I, I keep stealing your stuff man those topics and many more coming your way in this edition of the show before we get started with that though we want to get the ball rolling with some fourth listener email Fourth listener, this time around, a longtime listener and supporter, Uno Clay, dropped us a line cool. via Patreon. Cool. Thank you, Uno Clay. And thank you for your continued support. Love that you continue to do that. We love you for it. He dropped us a line saying, hello again from Philadelphia. Ooh. I'm always behind on my podcast, so don't be shocked whenever my feedback is months out of date. <laughs> Just got to the roller skating rink rewind oh, episode wow, that today. Was a bit ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Now was he was he behind or were we in reading his email out? No, he was uh, a little of each. <laughs> a little of each. Suffer column exactly. That's right. <laughs> Combo platter. Uh, he goes on to say, as a kid growing up in PA, roller skating rinks were a constant facet of our teen social experience. I personally loved it. It was way better than say school dances, <laughs> since we had a casual, informal, and silly activity to do. Plus the arcade games, the main ones I remembered mm -hmm. our local rink were Excite Bike and Hogan's Alley both awesome classics obviously. oh yeah hogan's alley oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's the wasn't that that was part of the nintendo uh play choice what, play choice in, maybe yeah, may, might, yeah there might have been some standalones too but i remember playing it on play choice yeah if it was a play choice then it was a nintendo game put into an arcade cabinet because that's what play choice did mm -hmm. they took nintendo yeah. carts and yeah. put them in there right and you had time didn't you like you had x number of seconds to play as many games as you wanted you your could flip quarter was based on yep. time not your lives yeah, yeah. Wow. Now I think about it, that was a smart way to monetize the NES and the arcade market, but that, mm -hmm. that might be a yeah. whole backtrack. We'll get to that later. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> it looked like it's on to say, I wasn't exactly Mr. Smooth with the ladies back then, <laughs> so skating rinks gave my friends and me a way to learn how to be nearby to the fairer sex while not necessarily having the pressure of, say, a dance to necessarily interact with them. So, yeah. Okay. I agree. I go with that. On board. Yeah. It says, great, great memories. Anyway, rinks were such a constant of our youth. A friend of ours filmed his band's rock video in one of them. The band was called Body Spray. Uno Clay is even in the video. You'll see me in a dark black robe near the end. Now, I sent both of you the yeah. link that Uno Clay sent us to yeah. this roller skating rink body spray video. Yeah. What did you think? 
Yeah. George is shaking uh, his head in disbelief. <laughs> I mean, now that I know that Unike was in it, it makes you feel a little bit about watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just sent you a link that said, watch this before the show. It yeah. leaks since later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call Mo out. His response was, that's three minutes and 45 seconds. I'll never get back. <laughs> I, oh. it, the video was, was fine. It was edited funny. It was, it was cute. The music, I, I, the, well, the music part I was okay with. It was the screaming lyrics. I am never going to be okay with that style <laughs> of, I guess it's yeah. what, heavy metal, thrash metal, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, just somebody screaming into a microphone for three minutes. Nah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so he was the Grim Reaper then, I take it? Yes. He, he said, I, that's as far as I can tell, he said in the black robe. So Uno Clay must have been this Grim Reaper. Listener, we're going to put a link. Yes. We're, apologize in advance, but we'll put a link to this video <laughs> in it's the show notes. Views has gotten it last 10 years. I'm telling you what. I just couldn't understand the reason for them being in a roller rink when it was clearly obvious from the video, not a single one of them could skate. None of them could skate. Not even the people that they had in the video with them, like yeah. the background people could skate. Nobody on camera could skate. This, this sounds like a like a weed-fueled high concept. You know we should do the video in the roller rink. Yeah. Dude, what a great idea. We can't skate. Who cares? Actually, it's probably a place they could get for free. <laughs> you know, the guy's like, right, the yeah, venue is free. free. The venue is free. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool, though, Uno Clay, that you sent us that. It's, it's nice that that got captured, and you can go back and look at you yeah. know, this, this thing that you did with this your friend's band and everything. That's very cool. Thank you for sending it to us. We're glad the roller skating rink triggered these memories for you. What was it? The name of the group was Body Spray? Yeah. Body Spray. Body Spray. <laughs> And the song was called Edgy. Like, do you have to name your song Edgy when it's that style? Isn't the song enough to tell you it's edgy? It's already edgy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and the initials of the band was BS, which I thought was pseudo appropriate. So, yeah. 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 That's that's pretty good. Uno Clay, thank you so much again for writing in. Fourth listener, if you would like your email featured here on the show, it is so easy to do. You can hit us up via Patreon if you're a patron over at Discord or wherever, or just drop us a line via email at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Read every single one and most of them, like Uno Clay's, will eventually, eventually make this show. All right, with that good business behind us, it's time to jump into the body of 142 right after this. Stick around. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Hey, Clovis. You know, I asked Grandpa why Cadbury's chocolate is so good, and he said because of Clovis. I didn't know he made chocolate. Cadbury's Dairy Milk Chocolate. So smooth and creamy because it's made with a glass and a half of milk in every family-sized bar. Boy, and people say cows are dumb. Cadbury's Dairy Milk Chocolate. Share the goodness with someone you love. Unsurprisingly, we're going to get the ball rolling talking about media here at the top of the show, as we always do. Of course, this could be films or television or comics or books or music or whatever it could be. Now, Mo, you have something you were looking forward to the last time we spoke. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, that's something weird, like look forward to something and then talk about it, you know. And actually follow up. (laughs) Yeah, well done. (laughs) Do some follow up. Better than me. (laughs) It's uh, it's a series called The Reluctant Traveler. Mm. It's another travel show, Apple TV, but it's starring Eugene Levy. You know, I think he's right. one of the producers well on it. And I can say that I've watched, I think, four episodes. If you like Eugene Levy, you'll like this show mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It's, okay. his personality comes through. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm really enjoying it because he travels all these really super exotic 
locales. I mean, super, mm-hmm. super, you know, Lapland and Finland and, you know, and all these places. Stays in some really amazing places. But he has that just general Eugene Levy nervous trepidation, just sort of mm-hmm. air about him that's always there. Like, like always a, a little awkward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to do something new or trying to have him do something different. And it's interesting show and the places he visits, the way he describes it makes me really want to go see them. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned when you were looking forward to it that he was traveling and he said he's not a good traveler. He right. doesn't do it well. So in the show, like, what is the premise? Why is he traveling? Or is the show just, he's traveling because he's making a, a show? Yeah, it's, he's traveling for the show, but he figured okay. that he's not a great traveler. So he said, if he likes these places, then it must be okay kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the thing I really like about those, that he goes to these places, like I said, he goes like Lapland, he goes out to someplace out in Utah, you know, all these places. And he doesn't just stick with the tourist piece of it. He actually goes and mm-hmm. talks with the locals and, you know, and just has these really amazing conversations with them. He does things that they do normally, you know, just as part of the experience, which he also says he's very uncomfortable with. You know, he says that mm-hmm. whenever he traveled, he basically stayed at the hotel and went to set. And that's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. then he came back to the hotel. He never visited any place. And this one, like, you know, there's one he went to, uh, we went to Venice. The guy said, you know, the best thing to do is just go out there, walk and get lost. Hmm. And he's like, oh, that goes against everything I believe in. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but he does do it. Like he says, he, he takes the chances and he goes out there and does it. And he said, it's a really just super entertaining show. Hmm. And it's, is this is the first season of it. It's just started, yeah. right? Is it, yeah, is it all available to watch or do you have to watch week by week? I'm guessing it's something you could binge. It's all out there. There's eight episodes. You I can believe. all binge. You can binge it all out And they like say, if nothing else, just to see some amazing places and locales, it's worth watching. So the videography on its yeah, own yeah, is it's already excellent. cool. Yeah, cause, well, yeah, you go to these cool places like Venice or Lapland or whatever. Take a good crew with you because there's a lot of good stuff yeah. to see, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, for sure. So on the complete, I think, opposite spectrum of things to watch and do is what mm-hmm. you saw, John, right? <laughs> I hope to God this is not something to do. <laughs> or see, or watch. Yeah, just to watch. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just to watch. The experiences. Just to watch, certainly. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't say I was looking forward to this necessarily, but as soon as I saw the trailer for Cocaine Bear. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I knew I'd be sitting in a theater soon to see a bear on cocaine. I knew it was going to happen. The premise is actually based on a true story. The, the reality of the true story, though, <laughs> is that someone kicked all these drugs out of a plane, a bear ate the cocaine, and they found the bear dead. But the movie takes the premise, what if the bear hadn't died? How would this apex predator behave if it was high on narcotics? You know, what, what would happen? <laughs> and then let's film a completely different movie that has nothing to do with that premise whatsoever, because there's no right. way that bear would do that stuff that it shows in the trailers. Come on. This is very much in the Sharknado vein. Okay. It kind of like, That's what I kind of let's figured. just, we're afraid of sharks. Let's do scary things with sharks, right? So it's like, okay, people are afraid of bears. Because you're right, it's irrational. Black bears actually are, are notoriously not aggressive. They will back off, you know, unless, unless you are harming them or their their offspring. Right. So they had to make this really scary, powerful bear. How would you make it? How do you make it do things it wouldn't do? Drugs. Well, it is obviously. on cocaine. Yeah, I mean. It is on cocaine. It's not just on cocaine. It loves it. So like, <laughs> if it finds somebody with more cocaine, it chases them down. Or if you throw the cocaine away, it'll go chase the package. Like, it's literally easy to avoid the bear. Just avoid the cocaine. But nobody in the movie does that. Of course. Of course. Yeah, it's, it is as bananas as you think. And, you know, very often I try to pick a piece of media here that I can recommend. And <laughs> I, I failed to do that in this case, quite honestly. <laughs> It's the kind of movie that you can enjoy. Okay, it's exactly what it says it is. Okay. Right? Whatever you saw in the trailer you thought it was going to be, it's exactly that. The problem is it's nothing more. Yeah. It's nothing greater. They were following about four different groups of people as they kind of, their stories intertwine and eventually they cross on this mountain with all the drugs, right? But ultimately, you don't really care about anybody. Even mm. even there are kids in there. And you're like, look, I know the kids are going to be fine. So I don't have to worry about them. It's a main Hollywood movie. The kids are going to be fine. Right. Everybody else, I'm like, they do kill some people in these groups. They definitely, not everybody makes it out alive. But other than go, oh, it's too bad that person died. It felt like maybe they had a story to tell. But you didn't feel real bad because this movie was not going to tell that story. It yeah. wasn't really doing any character development. It just said, what's the next bananas bear attack we can do for a set piece? See, that's the problem with some of the movies with their trailers is when they give away the whole movie, like you've said mm-hmm. in this case, yep. what's the point of going to the theater to see the movie? Hell, 
this movie could be free for me from the public domain. I don't even want to waste hard drive space on this some bitch. I mean, honestly, <laughs> there's nothing that I feel like that would surprise me from the movie, mm. even before your description. Like I saw that trailer and I'm like, well, they've shown me that. I know who's going to die there. They've shown me this. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. who's going to do this. I know when this is going to happen. I don't need to see the movie now. Three minutes and I'm done. Yeah, it's true. It's notable for being uh, the second to last film project that Ray Liotta was a part of. He has a small yep. part in this. Yeah. Uh, and if you're looking for a redeeming part of this film, I would say the bear digital effects, the CG bear is pretty remarkable. It <laughs> <Okay>. looks like <laughs> wildlife. Well, it, that's something, right? It's, yeah, think yeah, about Jurassic sure. Park. Now that was thing, incredible digital effects, plus a great story. Yeah. Right. Take out all the great story part. <laughs> this is a progression of what they did in Jurassic Park. That bear, I mean, you can see the individual hairs. You can see the puffs of cocaine come in from his nose. I mean, he looks pretty real. <laughs> but but his motions didn't look real. Like when I saw the trailer, the stuff like him sliding on his back on the ground in the one scene. Yeah. That did not look natural at all. Like I've seen bears scratch their backs on tree trunks and things like that. Yeah. That well, motion did not look natural at all. Well, in that but trailer. those bears weren't on cocaine, so you can write it all. Off. There okay. you go. All right. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> so cocaine bear, you know, it's a solid two tokens out of five, but it's throwaway. Like nobody's going to be. Huh? Yeah, it, it wasn't bad. Like I didn't go in there going, well, they did not give me a cocaine bear. They gave me exactly what they promised. OK, it's just again, there's nothing greater there. I got exactly what I expected. And there's not a lot beyond that. You're not going to think about this next week. You're not going to go. Remember cocaine bear? That was deep. You know, this is not inception. You're going to okay. watch it. You're going to throw it away. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's it. George, what about you? You have a film that we were looking forward to a few, several shows ago, but never got around to talking about. Yeah. I mean, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, where you said, you know, we're picking stuff and then following up on it like Mo did. I did the same kind of thing. I saw a movie called (laughs) Knock at the Cabin. Now, before I get into that, I just want to mention that I was going to talk about Mandalorian season three, which is out now. And I've seen the first episode. Also, uh, The Blacklist season 10, which is the final season is out as well. It really should have been final season, season eight, but they've kept it around for two more years for ratings or whatever. But Knock at the Cabin, mm-hmm. um, I saw this in, wait, did I? No, I didn't go see this in the theater. I saw this okay. at home. I right. watched it the night it came to me on public domain. Mm-hmm. And I immediately said, I have to watch this with my wife. She will like this story. Mm-hmm. Now, my okay. wife, as we've talked about in the past, she hates horror movies. She covers her eyes and, right. mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to watch it all. You know, Friday 13th, she'll never go see that. But this is different than a horror movie. This is a suspense yep. thriller. Yeah, for sure. And it's by somebody. Well, <laughs> that da, 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 I never like giving credit to. Oh no. And thank oh, God no. I don't have to in this case because he didn't write the damn story. He just directed <laughs> the movie. It's from M Night Shyamalan, John's favorite Shyamalama Ding Dong director. Yeah, you know, me John. Uh, we can't we can't quit this guy for some reason. Like we have no, to see wait, all his movies. The good thing about this one is I don't want to give it away because it's such a good movie. Everybody watching this or listening to this podcast should go see this movie. It is that good. I put this in my top films of 2022 or 2023, wow. whenever the actual official date is. You are this is absolutely a top film kidding. You're no. absolutely kidding me. <laughs> no. Wow. I'm, I'm a little shocked myself. I love this film. I watched really? it that night by myself and immediately said, honey, tomorrow when you get home, we're going to turn everything else off and you and I are going to watch this movie. I mean, now I liked it. I was surprised <laughs> I liked it, to be honest. I I, yeah. you know, I mean, I've had very low expectations for his movies these days, you know, in general. Sure. Fair, I did, yeah. yeah. After Obviously. old, I mean, yeah, Jesus yeah, exactly. Christ, mm-hmm. right? But this one, I mean, I, at the end of it, I was like, you know, I said that was a pretty good movie. It wasn't, it didn't blow me away. I don't think I liked it quite as much as you did, but I thought that. The it was it was okay. I thought it was an okay movie. I thought it was like one that I don't feel like. I'll tell I you why. Was upset I'll let that I, John, I know John mm-hmm. wants to say something, but I'll tell you why this is a better movie <laughs> than you think. Go ahead, John. I found the only redeeming thing about this film were the performances. Oh, the performances. The individual okay. actors' yes. contributions. I thought the the little girl actress was great. Yeah. I thought Batista was great, proved that mm-hmm. he can do a dramatic role with subtlety. He's yep. not just a brute. You're taking all my talking points, but go ahead. So so that's the thing I liked about it. But I didn't like the story. I didn't like the film. This was not an yeah. M. Light Shyamalan film. And when I came out of it, I said, where's the twist? The twist is there's no what? twist. Okay, you're, you're <laughs> killing my, that's exactly what I was going to say. You're taking well, my okay. shit. God damn it, this is my segment. You're. 
Well, Damn it. You said I could talk first. <laughs> I didn't mean it that much. I, Damn it. I wasn't trying to read your mind. <laughs> so that's precisely the reason why I like this film. Really? There is no twist. Everything that you see from beginning to end is mm-hmm. 100% honest. Nobody lies. Yeah, no that's actor right. tells a falsehood. Mm-hmm. No to the best of their knowledge tells you a yes. misdirection. Mm-hmm. Nothing is a lie. And it's still a compelling story. I don't know the last time I saw a movie that did that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with John. I mean, I think the performances overall were really, really good. You know, I mean, everyone knows the premise of the thing, right? Like these cabin, these people show up and basically they have to kill one of them. Otherwise, the world's going to end, right? But the way Batista and the four people who go to the cabin, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all old, yep. you know, Ron Weasley guy, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Brent. Yep. 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 His I thought all the performances, they just said that they hit that edge of being like almost manic, but not. I mean, I think they just really threaded the needle on their performances. But truthful to a real human being in that situation. Yeah, exactly. If you started it's having premonitions for months yeah. before yeah. and you were having all these things and you met mm-hmm. these other three individuals yep. online and then you showed up at this place and they were actually there. Yeah. Everything from that point forward would be yeah, exactly. It's Batista, by the way, John, you talked about his performance, mm-hmm. the way that he approached the little girl in the first scenes of the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Oscar worthy. Fucking oh, yeah. Oscar worthy. Yeah. You got this big, brutish, hulking man, and every time he looked like he was. When he was acting, like it was almost as though he was weaker and weaker with the weight of what he knew was coming Mm -hmm. every time. And that's what was beautiful all the way up until the very end of his scenes in the film. It was a progression of him getting closer and closer to that moment, which caused him to get weaker and weaker and weaker. And it's so much more impressive because of how big he is physically and he still emoted that way in such yeah. a small manner mm-hmm. it's a brilliant movie and i know you, where's the twist it's not an m night Shyamalan movie <laughs> i don't need it to be an m night Shyamalan yeah. movie he apparently sucks you, you're okay with, with his that. twists yeah mm. so let him do a solid job of directing which i felt like he did the yeah, intersplice scenes of the couple going back through their mm-hmm. history of their relationship mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. getting their daughter all the way up until it all of that editing was on point, which I'm sure he had a hand in. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, every part of it was shot beautifully. It was constrained to just the one location except for the cutback scenes yeah. until the very end. If you find me a better character study film this year, I want to see that. Hmm. I agree. Because even like the family that was there, they acted the way I would imagine a real mm-hmm. person would behave in that situation. Yep. Like, you guys are nuts. You're crazy. I mean, just they, I, I thought they played it sure. very, very well. And I thought it was written well. I am fascinated to hear the reasons why you did like it. And it wasn't just because that's not a typical Shyamalan film. Okay. I just came out of it going, I was expecting, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is because it's a Shyamalan film. I went in and spent a lot of energy. I expected a lot of time and thought on studying and being able to figure out what was coming soon. And then it ended. I'm like, I, that was time wasted. I spent my time trying <laughs> oh, to figure out Shyamalan's <laughs> twist. You're trying and to figure out what didn't the happen. revelation was going to be at the yeah, end Yeah, I felt like I wasted right? my time. So, okay. all right, maybe okay. maybe I need to go back and watch it with a different mindset, not looking for the twist. Just the story. Just look at the story. Yeah, I, I came out of it never wanting to see it again, but maybe. I, maybe. And I, and I, Fair enough. I get that. If you go into it looking for something that you don't get, of course you're going to hate that movie. I, I do that all the time with films or TV shows. You expect one thing <laughs> and you get something completely different mm-hmm. and it's not to your taste. And I went in only wondering if I could figure out what the motivation was. That's all Mm -hmm. I went into it trying to figure out. Because like Mo said, you know, they're going to a cabin. You know that somebody needs to die and it's a terrible situation. Mm -hmm. The people who seem to be in charge look a little uncomfortable. Why is that? The thing I really loved was watching it the second time. I got to enjoy the entrance stuff because all Mm -hmm. the stuff at the beginning of the film gets payoff during the film, but you don't realize that until you're already through the film, all the little drawings Hmm. and the menu and everything else that happens at the beginning. It makes sense at the end, which is nice for a film, especially because M night Shyamalan rarely makes sense. And he's not the master of subtlety necessarily, right? He no. kind of he no. kind of he hits you over the head with it. Here's the twist. Let me explain it twice. Let me explain it three times, like they did right. In old, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, definitely a change of pace for him. You've made me consider watching it again after I thought I never would. Yeah, hey, that's it. That's that. an improvement. That's a <laughs> that's win something. right there. That's something. <laughs>
Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today, and uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up, but if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. In 1914, Isuzu paved the way for the automotive industry of Japan. Unfortunately, Japan hadn't paved its roads. Today, the Isuzu IMAR combines the superior road handling of front-wheel drive with the dependability car experts expect from a car built in Japan. And these Japanese car experts ought to know. They've been driving their Isuzus for over 60 years. When we get into tech and toys today, actually, George, you got something that I'm very familiar with, so I want to kind of kick it off with you. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I figured you would be. It's a Dungeons & Dragons, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. adjacent thing. So I play that little calendar game all the time that I've mentioned here before, the Quest mm-hmm. calendar that's like a mm-hmm. yeah. role-playing game experience. The first year I played, it was very Dungeons & Dragons. This year, it's science fiction in space with a spaceship, which is cool. Right. But the thing that I always had a problem with was my dice tower that I 3D printed, which is a fine dice tower. It's a <laughs> little like um, set up like a castle and it's got a little extension thing from it that the dice can fall into. Yeah. But the little walls on it are so small that the dice hop out of it all the time. I lose them on the floor. Oh, okay. I'm too problem. old to go picking dice up. So I probably got like 40 <laughs> sets of D20s laying on my floor somewhere. <laughs> so I wanted a better thing. And when I had gone to a place where people get together and play Dungeons and Dragons, I saw one of the people there had this hexagon octagon looking thing that had a nice padded area in the middle that you could roll with and then had a rim that was raised above it that he kept his dice in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I like that. That's kind of cool. But I didn't think about it anymore of that until I started playing again this mm-hmm. year. And I'm like, I'm tired of dropping dice. <laughs> Let me go online and see what I can find. So I found this dice tray. It's the Lucky Lab 8-inch dice tray. I I don't know how much I paid for it because I bought it a while ago. Maybe 20 or 30 bucks, something like that. Mm-hmm but it holds up to five sets of dice and a set is like a D20. Mo, correct me if I'm wrong. D20, <laughs> D12, uh, D10, a D0, 100 percentage thing, a D6, a D4. Is that right, Mo? And a D8. I'm a D8. I missed the D8. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job, man. I'm proud So of it's you. like seven dice five times. So like 35 dice mm-hmm. around the rim. Mm-hmm. So you can have all your different dice sets that you like for different reasons. This one's red and this one's blue and whatever, but the roll area is super soft and nice and quiet. You never have to worry about the dice flying out of it or anything. Mm -hmm. And it's got a nice travel lid so you can take it with you. And then you take the lid off, put it underneath and set it down in the lid and everything works perfectly. I love it. Yeah. My daughter has one of these. Generally go play a game. A couple people are going to have these things because they're just so handy and they're so useful. You know, it's, it's just like a simple, Simple function, thing, functional item. You know, it's hard to go wrong with it. Right. Man, it's, we have come such a long way from, you know, rolled the dice on the table full of Mountain Dew and Cheetos and who knows where it went. It's under the rug. It went under the yeah. couch. It's under the stove. You know, those terrible places that it can go. Yeah. I never considered when I was a kid, get a dice tower or a, I mean, yeah. or a box to roll it D&D in. D&D yeah. was so fringe that there weren't like, <laughs> there this market of great products to make your D&D life better. Like if you're lucky, you thought of saving a box, maybe. Like <laughs> I remember I would take the D&D red box and sometimes roll them in the lid right. where you take mm. that top off. That yeah. was about yeah. as far, far as we went, but man, things have come so much further. Holy crap. There is an incredible world of like RPG accessories out there. And mm-hmm. this is just one yep. little small slice of it. I, I truly love it, but cool. 
it's not nearly as cool as the thing that you want to talk about, John, because I mm. did just see your video on this yeah. and yeah. I'm a bit jealous. I don't really have room for it, but I kind of damn well want it now at this point. You don't think you have room for it? I mean, it's it's so tiny and so cute. I, I mean, look oh at God, it. How could you not have room? It, it's a, it is adorable. It is. So I'm talking about, uh, so at games, we've covered a lot of stuff from my arcade, but there's another company mm-hmm. out there that makes a lot of nostalgic stuff, mostly plug and plays. If you're not familiar with, that's what it sounds like. You plug it in your TV and play it. There's mm-hmm. nothing else to do, nothing, no cartridges to download. Anyway, so they've always done this thing called these Atari flashback units. They've been around for years. And it's a little Atari 2600 that has like a, a simulation of the controller, plugs into your TV. Back when they started them, it was RCA, right? You had RCA cables you had to plug in. But wow, they've continued to have this license for a long time. And uh, just this year, actually just the end of last year for the Atari's 50th anniversary, they put out this cute little guy, which I was just showing you, mm-hmm. which is the At Games Atari Flashback Gold 50. 50th anniversary edition. That's all wow. that is the name. <laughs> all, all that long name is to indicate that what we have is Atari 2600 games, 130 games okay. in this little tiny box with two controllers, with a set of paddles, you know, the 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 Y yeah. fork paddles, you plug one in, you got two paddles, that way four of them are, you know, warlords, that kind of thing. Comes with that, a little power supply. You fire it up and I was expecting Atari games. You know, you got your adventure, you got your asteroid, your centipede, right. your stuff like that. Those are all there. But oh my goodness, at games, they've been paying attention to what's going on with Atari stuff. They're homebrew things as recent as like 2016 or 2014 or something. Okay, Yeah, there's an Asteroids Deluxe that was a ROM hack that was out in the homebrew. They added that to this. Uh, There's one I've seen for years called Save Mary that was is a genius game that should have been on the Atari back uh, they got a magic game. So, you, you know, you have oh. drag, uh, Demon Attack is on there. Dragon right. Slayer is on there. M Network is there. So you have Burger Time. They even got a bananas bunch of Activision titles. That's the linchpin for Atari 2600. You, right. Like you want to have Pitfall. You want to have right. Mega Mania. You want to have Crackpots and you want to have Kaboom. Yep. Things like that. It. And they're all there. And there are very few. I did the review. And like you said, uh, George, the reviews up there, there are a few things about it. It's not perfect. There are things that I wish they had done a little nicer because this was the 50th anniversary. I think back to when we did the 40th anniversary of Pac-Man and people were kind of phoning it in. It was very upsetting. Mm-hmm. There are things here that I, many people have said, oh, they didn't really upgrade the menu system or stuff like that. But all of that around it, and I say in the review, those little details that are nitpicky, they're around the game. They don't take away from the fun of playing the game once you push start. So I got a two-part question for you. The first one, right, okay. maybe simple, maybe not. How much does this unit cost? Second part of the question, why do do they keep putting out multiple versions of this thing? Because I feel hmm. like I've seen these things all over the place and flashback seven and flashback nine and this, that, and the yeah. other. And I've always been curious, why are there multiples of them? And why do people feel the need to collect all of them when they, to me, they look the same. I don't understand what the difference is. Yeah, I, I think those are two very valid questions. The first one you said is pretty simple to answer. It's not. Mm, that's <laughs> so what I was price, afraid of. I think it lists it lists for like $69, I believe. Uh, however, they're, they are as rare as hen's teeth. They're so hard to find. One day they'll be on Amazon for 80 bucks. The next day, see buying options and it's $170. And That's what it says right now. Yeah, Availability yeah. is the problem because, but keep an eye on it. Like if you can put like a, you know, some kind kind of an indicator if you have an, uh, a plug in that'll tell you when something drops in price because it keeps coming back. They go back in stock and they go back for retail, but then they're gone right away. Wow. So price, depending on how, when you can find so it. So it's like a Raspberry Pi then. Maybe it's a sourcing issue. I think this was just very popular, especially the gold because mm. the Atari 50th. Mm. And why do they keep doing them? I That's a great question. I can only speculate because I don't know how they think. Uh, I know people that collect them all. I know that they make iterative improvements to it. Every year, there's a few more games. You know, there's there's 50 games. There's 60 games. There's 65 games. There's This was 130. <laughs> it's just growing and growing. But they keep adding little features. So like in this one, you have save states. So you okay. can save where you are in a game so you can go back and continue. They have rewind. So if you're having a great game of adventure and the dragon comes out of nowhere and bites you, you can hit rewind and undo right. that moment in time. So the mercenary reason they keep doing it is they want to make more revenue on sure. licenses they already sure. have. But it's not just the same thing over and over again. They are iterating on the product. And I think because they, as you said, Mo, it's adorable. It's so cute. It is adorable. Like, I want to have the next one. I think people, 
it becomes the thing you collect. You put on the shelf. They're so nice, you know? But they don't they all look the same? Well, not the gold. It's got gold switches. It's special. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and this one has an Atari 50 logo on it. I'll get you some nail polish. Uh, I really enjoyed reviewing it. Again, Mo, I'll give you the link to throw down there if somebody would take, oh, like yeah, to take sure. a look. Uh, and it's maybe the start of a really good relationship with At Games because I've really put, been ignoring their stuff for a long time because I didn't think it was for me. And then I got this one from them. They sent it complimentary and... I, they're starting to change my mind on what they do. So, Mo, how about you? You have something that we talked about in the tease. They want to get rid of my pencil and paper, and I want to know what yeah. that's about. So, yep, I'm still kind of old school when it comes to like work and notes and stuff. I like writing on paper and pencil mm-hmm. or pen okay. and paper. Yep. Um, I have my planner. I like using my planner. So I was in a meeting a few weeks back, and a guy saw me that. And he's like, dude, why are you still using a planner? And I'm like, because it works. And <laughs> I like it's, it. <laughs> it's infinitely flexible as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do whatever I want to with it. And so he turned me on this thing. It's called Remarkable is the name of the product. And okay. essentially, it is a, a tablet that's really the only purpose it has is for writing and taking notes. It has okay. no other real purpose behind it. So I decided to look it up. The base model is like 279 for it. Mm, that'll buy a lot of pencils. <laughs> so I got it in a few days ago and I started playing with it and I used the crap out of it today. I used it for, I said, oh, you know, if I'm going to buy this, I'm going to use it 100% until I right. decide it. Yeah. You get 100 days, no questions asked return policy on it. So oh, all right. I figured that's plenty of time for me to use it and see if I like it. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, so far, I am very impressed with it. The idea that, okay, it's, it's another tablet to carry. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I tried using my iPad for this a while back and the iPad is heavy, relatively speaking. You know, okay. the battery life is not amazing on it you know like i couldn't go a full day of taking notes on it with it whereas this one it uses like that paper white view like for mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. those new readers right right so the battery lasts literally like a week right it's wi-fi you upload you get sync content it does the handwriting recognition it's easy to organize your notes on it. Um, so, so far, it's only a few days, but I'm really enjoying it. Hmm. The biggest challenge I've seen with anything where you're going to write on the screen, mm-hmm. and especially something like this, that's the paper white, which is yeah. actually a very slow refresh screen, effectively. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like a, uh, what is it like? It's like a magna doodle, basically, right? It's yeah. like they're turning pixels on and then leaving, like turning it off, right? There's no, no power to feed it. When you write on something, what about reaction time? Like this, it's really the good. lag behind that? Really? No, no, it's really good um hmm. i think i think this is the remarkable two is the latest one i think they had some issues that in the remarkable one right um but no the response i'm like i'm writing i don't feel now it's not like exactly 100 like keeping up with me like perfectly mm-hmm. but it's so close that it doesn't bother me okay oh, if that okay. makes sense yeah it does and the thing is that they've even made the texture of it so it feels like you're writing on paper oh so it's not like rubbing on glass no not oh, at all okay. it has a little bit of drag on it so when you're writing you feel you really do feel like you're writing hmm. on paper makes which sense. i actually we didn't realize that that was actually kind of important. Right. Yeah. I, I was going to ask that Mo, because I remember maybe three or four years ago, I watched a thing on the British TV show called click, which is all about technology and everything mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. one of the BBC channels. They talked about how people like myself and you, we don't like writing on tablets because you're mm-hmm. sliding all over the place. I also don't like the part that like I rest my palm when I write yeah. on the mm-hmm. surface and Sometimes. most tablets have issues with that where I, it sounds like maybe that doesn't happen with this device, but the texture mm. part, there was a company three years ago who invented an overlay that you could put on your tablet that right, made your oh, tablet feel that make that texture. Way. Oh, yeah. Huh. Uh, maybe they partnered with these remarkable people, or maybe they were these remarkable people, and they oh. just said, to hell with it, we'll do our own thing. I don't know. But I'm glad to hear that it has that. Mm. As a matter of fact, and they have apps for Windows and for your phone and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So all your stuff, is you could gotcha. read it from pretty much anywhere. Can those things that get uploaded to their mm-hmm. site and everything, can you then take your stuff and put it in like Word or Excel yeah. or PDF or whatever? Mm, okay. yeah. And it will upload it to Google automatically if you want to. It ah. has a couple different cloud places that you could upload to. Um, it has its own that they charge for. It's like two bucks a month if you want to use theirs. And it's mm-hmm. a shit, you know, a shit ton of space, right. um, which is free for the first year. So I'm just using that for now since it's free. Okay. But you know, like I mean, the thing is, like, it's really thin and light, but it doesn't feel cheap, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, he's always worried that this is gonna be super flimsy. But uh, you know, and the fact that the only reason I got it really was the fact that I got a hundred days to try it out and I could return it. Yeah. If uh-huh. I don't like it, which to me, that's pretty confident on their side. 
That's very generous, right? If they're going to right? be that long to yeah. say, never mind, they must think it's going to quickly integrate itself into your life. Yeah. And it's a full refund too. It's so not like, how long have you had it? Just a few days, you said, Just a few right? days. Is it too early to say whether or not you think you're going to stick with it or you think it's a fun well, novelty that you had a good time with? I don't miss back? my planner yet. Mm, so that's, that's something? something right off the bat. Yep. Like I'm not going back and forth. And they do have yeah. some really cool, like when they create like new pages, they have like these templates that you could add like a to-do right. list. So I'm like, that's like right. a checklist. So you could or write grid, in or it. tick boxes or okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, neat. And so, and the handwriting recognition is surprisingly good because um, my handwriting is awful. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's really yeah. bad. And it was able to like pretty much, I would say like 95% get it right, except for the ones, even when it got wrong, I'm like, yeah, I couldn't read what that was. So I <laughs> can't blame the computer you know, for that. It. I don't know what it is. So I can't really blame you for not doing it. It's a very specific use though. It's not, yeah. you're not going to watch movies on it. You're not going to do anything. There's no color on it at all. It's all black mm-hmm. and white. And you can do, I mean, gray, of course. Um, it does have like the pressure sense thing for like if you have like a pencil you can mm. do that you can put different pressure so it gets darker or lighter if you want to go that route so so far you know it's a few days but i'm i may give up my planner for the first time well, which is which would be pretty amazing if they could get that's me something off my i know i i remember you carrying that planner around when i met oh, yeah. you 15 20 years ago so. <laughs> i still have it <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. KRQR. The full spectrum of rock and roll. The best of the old. The Beatles. The best of the new. The hottest ticket on the bay. San Francisco's original rocker. 97.3 KRQR. The rocker. This is the main event of the podcast for the three in attendance locally and the millions listening around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! All right, time to quickly hop into games. We've been talking for a long time, but now it's time to get into the most important segment, which is mine. (laughs) Of course. important. I don't know about most, but it's important. I will let John start today's festivities mm. off. John, what have you been playing? Sure. Yeah. I think last time we spoke, I told you there was a game that was being marketed or not marketed as the Russian Bioshock. And I was strongly mm-hmm. considering picking it up and I strongly considered and did it. Wow. Uh, we're talking about a new game called Atomic Heart. Now, the easiest way to describe it is, and it's an incorrect description, but it's a great way to get into it, is to think of Bioshock, the experience. It's a first person adventure your game where you get abilities that are in your hand, like these plasmids mm-hmm. to do things. And uh, and then you have weapons in the other hand and you're mm-hmm. unraveling this dystopian future or past or who knows. Alternate history that, kind of this thing. Taking, yeah, an alternate history in, in a way, right? You, you actually picked it up, didn't you, Mo, as well? Yes, Atomic Heart, right? Yep. So what I will say is, so I probably played it for, uh, I did a live stream on Twitch briefly when I first Mm -hmm. got in and I played it some more a little bit since then. I probably put about four or five hours into it. And what I can tell you about it is this, I wouldn't say it's a review, right? So if you've been looking at it and you're interested, it's definitely not the Russian Bioshock, but I don't think that's a bad thing to say. I think just copying what Bioshock did, even leaning on mechanisms, mechanics that Bioshock had is the easy way out. And this developer didn't do that. They took kind of the spirit of Bioshock where I am a reluctant savior in this world that's got enough power. I'm the only person that could possibly save what's going mm-hmm. on. The cool difference here is we're not going underwater to rapture and finding a you know crumbling society. This is a futuristic society where robots are 
they're like the Jetsons. Like they're servants to everybody. They do oh, everything yeah. for you. They carry the umbrella. They walk behind you when it's raining and they carry your packages. They do everything. Yeah. yeah. Anything you do, they have robots walking around taking care of you. And you enter this game at the point where they're about to upgrade to robots 2.0. Like they're going to blast out this, <laughs> this new firmware right across the planet. And you live through that, through the opening segments of the, sh- of the game, you see things start to go afoul. And that's when you've been called in to kind of investigate what's going on. You go to the, like the main, plant where things are. Some interesting things have already happened in this game that have never happened to me before in a game. Uh, And the most notable, and the one probably most people are going to be talking about, is about three hours into the game, I was molested by a vending machine. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, it made me uncomfortable. (laughs) I don't know which one I'm more bothered by, that John was molested by a vending machine or that Mo automatically understood his experience. Oh, no, you knew exactly not, you what I'm missing. Right. You will right. Not, if you play this game, you know exactly what he's talking about. You, you will about. also I don't know, be I don't violated know that I'm going to play machine. this game now. <laughs> well, it's in the game. They don't actually come to your house. So it just takes yeah. place on the screen. I mean, the devices that are out there now, I'm not 100% <laughs> it could sure. Happen. It could happen. But that's what I'm talking about. They don't play it safe. This is the thing. The vending machine has this personality and it's like overtly sexual. And it's it's like saying rude things to you. You know, like you're swinging an axe. You're like, oh, yeah, bury that axe deep in me, baby. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Don't say these things. You're a machine. Quit that. It's very uncomfortable and they don't mind making you uncomfortable. It, it's a game that I'm looking forward to playing more. It isn't so good that I'm dying to play it more. And I even have seen the lack of polish. Like there's things, this is not 2K games, right? This is a small developer. Yeah. I'm seeing QA issues. I'm seeing little glitches here and there that they might or might not fix. But there's a story un- unwinding in Atomic Heart that I'm intrigued to see more about, despite mm-hmm. the fact that there's a lack of polish. And Numbo, yeah. you've played a little bit more. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that or you do agree or no, disagree? I, I agree with everything you said. Um, okay. I thought the intro was long. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the the, the cutscene at the beginning, I thought was just, it was just too long for me. But other than that, though, once you kind of get into the story mm-hmm. and start playing it, it's interesting. It's like you're uncovering it, like the whole onion thing, like layer by layer. You kind of get mm-hmm. deeper and deeper and figure right. out what's going on. And then you mentioned the whole uncomfortable vending machine thing is your character is uncomfortable with it. Oh, sure. Right. Like, right. He, he characters like, he's like, oh, you have to go to the vending machine. He's like, oh, God, do I? <laughs> you know, not again. He's like, do I, can, can I just not do that? You know? And I agree, though. It's it's not Bioshock by any stretch. Yeah. Because yeah. really, it's mostly just you. Where Bioshock, you had a lot of other things, people. Other characters, right. With. Mm. But you can see pieces they brought in, like recorded yeah. tapes that you listen to, that you learn yes. the history, little things like that. They're obviously lifted from, right? Exactly. And the fact that, though, you're catching it, like usually, like say, Bioshock, these other games it's the disaster has happened yeah. right and you're coming at some point later it's interesting being in a game where you're there at day one you know mm-hmm. when it happens so you experience that part along with everything else that goes along with right. it so, you don't have to catch up you're there when it happened right you yeah, know exactly. the disaster yeah exactly yeah so i mean i said i'm looking forward to it um you know i'm, I'm gonna play some more too i think i played pretty much same as you like four or five hours yeah because i watched john i knew how to get past one part really easily <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome yeah no it's it's interesting and now the thing is i am playing it on the easier level the Me difficulty too. Yeah. because i'm just trying to get the story and the fun i'm not really yeah. interested in trying to i'm too old to work too hard on video games yeah, exactly. that's not gonna happen anymore but it's still <laughs> challenging enough to me that it's keeping me interested so at least i'm looking forward yeah. to playing it more not a walk in the park so i, I would i would say i would i would tentatively recommend it uh i got it on i went through is there any deal got it for 10 bucks off i'm always trying to save money there so yeah keep an eye on it it's gonna drop shortly i think but it's uh it yeah, definitely sure. some quality there so Mo, what about you what have you been playing um, other than well, atomic play- art i'm sorry um i'm playing game actually i've been playing for a while it's another vr game that i've been into and it's Mm, poker stars vr Mm -hmm. we're all poker players right you know we all love playing it so i was looking there's a couple out there that they have the nice thing was this one's free which is nice Mm -hmm. and it's actually pretty good it's not perfect by any stretch there's still some like weird little glitches that people you'll see people run into you'll run into when you play but nothing that like detracts from the game necessarily but you're like oh this is kind of awkward and you kind of work around it Mm -hmm. it's all against real people you know so you're playing against real folks out there um they have different type of table stakes and it's not just poker though they also have roulette and blackjack and slots and all the nine yards but i've been mostly focused on the poker part and it's fun but my biggest complaint about it is not the game it's some of the people who play it (laughs) it's online playing 
Yeah, you know, it's too bad. They're just some assholes. And the nice <laughs> thing is that you do. I've actually even started playing enough where there's like a group of people I seem to run across a lot. Oh, good. Yeah, and, that you like. And then when you start seeing like when one of these young kids, you know, their kids come in there and they start doing annoying things to you. Everyone just basically you can mute them too, which is an amazing feature. <laughs> so I'm glad whoever they, they put that one in pretty early. But you know the gameplay, all that stuff is pretty fun. The only thing is that since it's not real money and everyone knows it, yeah, you know, no stakes. People are definitely taking a lot more risks than I think they normally would if they're playing like real poker. Yeah. So I only have one question. Okay. And that is the thing we talk about VR all the time. Mm-hmm. Why do you need VR to play poker? I mean, there's lots of you know. easier or already established ways to play it, or is it just a cool application for the VR gear that you have? It's a cool application for VR gear. And, you okay. know, it's nice that when you're at a table, you know, the headset, like people talking to your right, you'll hear on the right and left, which okay. is kind of cool. There's some neat scenes. You can spend real money on props and stuff, yeah. which I have not done at all. But some people really like that aspect of it. So it's more it. just, it adds it adds to the ambiance. It doesn't make the yeah. poker game any better. Okay, no, all right, that makes sense. nothing for the game Got itself. It. So yeah, you can play it on the many other ways and probably get a similar poker feel. I'll make one observation, John, that might change Moe's in your mind. The problem that it might solve is... Since the pandemic, people mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable being around that many people the mm. way they used to be. Crowd uh, is I good think night. that's lightening up a little bit, but certainly during the pandemic, this would have been a way that if you have friends that you enjoy playing poker with that also have VR headsets, the mm-hmm. Oculus headset system in this case, you can sign up together, know each other as friends in the system, mm-hmm. and then you can all go to a table together, or you can even host a table and invite your friends in. Yep. Then you can gotcha. play a poker game that is a little bit more to your friendship circle's liking, rather yeah, sure. than Got it. the jerk kids, because Mo talked about <laughs> muting them. That's not the most annoying thing they do. Because it's their this behavior. VR, yeah. no, it, because this VR, it's them literally putting their character directly in your front of your what? face where you yeah. can't see the table. Oh, That's that happens garbage. all the time. Well, you uh, say if you mute them, though, it gets it just creates a little mannequin in their seat. That's true. They so stay they can, in their they seat. They can walk oh. around in front of you. You don't. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. They can do whatever okay. the hell they want to. You don't care. Right. People who, who go on there, you know, in real life, they would not behave this way at all. You yeah. know, if they're the real poker. Because they probably anonymity of the shit kicked out of them, you know, if they did. But, you know, but once you get past that, I really miss them fun tables. I've had some really fun conversations with people from all over the world, which is not something you normally can do. And for the most part, the people I play with have been pretty, you know, you know, they lose a hand, you're like, man, good hand, you know, and they just move on with it, you know, so it's it's pretty, it's a fun experience. I'm enjoying it. So they said, so that's in the VR world, but let's go back to like the non-VR world. And George, you have something that I'm, it looks really cool. Well, I mean, for me, it was. So, okay. John, mm-hmm. you remember when we had you on Turnbuckles and Territories a while back, we yes. discussed video games specific to wrestling. And right. one yeah. of the questions that we kept asking throughout the entire podcast was, does this video game put you in the frame of mind that you either are the professional wrestler or in a professional wrestling environment? Mm-hmm. Most of those games didn't always live up 100% to that feeling, but they did capture things, depending upon which one you started with, which one you like, that you would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's a game that came out a couple of years ago called Retro Mania Wrestling. And it's exactly what its title is. It's professional wrestling from the retro area. So from the 80s and 90s. The great thing is they licensed all of the characters from the wrestlers themselves. So you see actual characters based on real professional wrestlers and you get to play one of those characters in the story mode, which is what I'm in the middle of right now. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. They set up the story mode beautifully, though. Instead of most wrestling games, you're a novice wrestler trying to break into the Mm -hmm. business and you're going for the gold. No, (laughs) in this one, you're a professional wrestler who has been at the top and recently been injured. Okay. Oh. And now you're trying to decide if it's worth it to come back and go back through the whole process again because you've already accomplished everything in the professional wrestling world. You won titles. You've had women. You've done all this wonderful <laughs> stuff. The great thing is the characters that they put in front of you, the one that you get to play, plus the ones that start you back on your journey. Like I said, they're all real people. So uh, Stevie Richards, 
Richards, who's a longtime journeyman professional wrestler that pro wrestling fans know and love, and the Blue Meanie, all from a group called the Blue World Order back in the 90s <laughs> at WCW. They're the ones who kind of start you off along this journey. You get to interact with characters like Tommy Dreamer right away. You're going to have the Hulk Hogan experiences, John. You know, you talked about that in the game you like, mm-hmm. but it's not an easy game either. Oh, the story really? is fun, but the game is difficult. I played the very first match where you have to kind of see if you can still keep up with people. This little test match, and it's not at all easy. I lost that match probably four times before really? I finally got wow. past it. Was it fun? Uh, it was fun. Every okay. time I kept playing <laughs> okay. it and playing it, I stayed up late. The mechanic that I liked the most about it, John, you remember when we were talking in that podcast, we were talking about the little health meters or energy bars that you see. Sure. Yep. Yep. So in this one, it has an energy bar style system where you have L, M, and H on the okay. bar. And as you do certain things, that bar advances from the L all the way up through the H. But like low, medium, high or something. Yep. Exactly. When you're grappling with a person and you try to do a move, if your bar is still only in the L area, you can mm-hmm. really only do low intensity moves. Oh. Okay. You can't just jump straight to a pile driver. You can right. only gotcha. punch them. You have to build up your bar to be able to do those better moves. Like telling the story of a wrestling match, right? You, exactly. you have to tell the story. You have to build up a little, make it a few smacks, a few good hits, a few cheap shots, and then you can do the big moves. Yeah, oh. exactly. So I see how you say it kind of makes you feel like you're in that venue because it's telling the same kind of story. Much more than anything else has. Yeah. Huh. And they do the great little ring entrances once you get past <laughs> that match, which is a lot of fun. I think my favorite thing was the second match that I got to do was a tag team match. So it was me and another partner versus two other people. And there's a thing in professional wrestling tag team matches called the hot tag. Now you guys might not know the term, Mm -hmm. but you'll recognize the behavior. You're in a tag team match. One tag team partner is getting his ass beat for like 10 minutes. He's just getting beat down, beat down, beat down. And at the last minute, he just barely dives across the ring and tags his partner. And the partner comes in and just starts beating the crap out of the other two guys, just wailing, wailing, wailing. That's called the hot tag because now he's super invincible, right? Ah, okay. He's energized. Exactly. I'm playing that tag match and my character is getting lower and lower in health. I go to make a tag and this thing, the screen flashes hot tag and my guy comes in and he's just beating the shit out of everybody. <laughs> I loved it. It was awesome. It was so much like a real pro wrestling match. So I have two questions. I like you probably one is going to be easy and the one maybe not be. And the first one is the same as the one you had for me. What did it run you? It's a couple of years old now. And the follow-up is, all of that sounds interesting to me, but I'm thinking to the realm of playing some Mortal Kombat. Is there mm-hmm. a co-op where I can just get in with a buddy using the mechanics of this game, and can you just, just have a match? That's what I want to know. Sure. First question, $30. I don't think it's changed its price very often. Um, it might go on sale every now and then, but I finally mm-hmm. just okay. bit the bullet, and rarely yeah. that <laughs> I do this, but I bought it at full price. Okay. Second question is easy to answer as well. Yes, there is some modes oh, where you can just go in and play with a buddy, uh-huh. They are different and weird. Like the first one that I can tell you about that I recognize, because I've only done the story mode so far. Sure. There's a battle royal mode. Okay. So you remember how we talked about battle royals before mm-hmm. where it's like a bunch of people in the ring? Well, there's a battle royal mode that you can just go in and start playing in a battle royal match. So oh, geez. that would be All a right. way you could play. Now, one-on-one, I haven't figured that part out yet. It's probably okay. in there, but it, it's a lot of fun. And they try to stay true to history of this game. So wrestling history, like the quest mode is the 10 pounds of gold, which refers to the gold belt that's been held by NWA for over a hundred years, traces its lineage back all the way back to the late 1800s. And (laughs) that's in the game because the NWA was a licensed partner in this game. So nice. It's great. That's neat. Retromania wrestling. That sounds like a live stream that I would watch if you felt like it. Man, that sounds interesting. Yeah. I, I could probably be talking I, to I it. I would watch you get your ass beat four times in a row. That sounds great. <laughs> that would not be a problem. That's the easy part. <laughs> easy to do. Easy to do. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. 
Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Come into Burger King and play the $14 million winning taste game where fabulous food and cash prizes abound. The odds of winning a prize are a fantastic one in seven. Imagine what you could do with $1,000 a month for the rest of your life. Buy yourself a little house in the country, a second car, take up a hobby, or invite a friend over for dinner. Play the Burger King winning taste game where you can win $1,000 a month for the rest of your life. It's at Burger King now. Before we put a bow on episode 142, as you know, we always like to take a few minutes here toward the end to talk about the things we're currently looking at or looking forward to between now and the next time we get together. And I'm going to start with you, George. What do you have on the horizon? Well, uh, as always, I'm looking forward to Creed 3. By the time everybody listens to this podcast, I will have already watched it. So maybe I'll talk about it on the next one. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting to go see that, right? <laughs> better. Yeah, really, at this point. Uh, next thing I'm looking to is doing more of these trailer reactions videos. John, mm-hmm. uh, somebody in the Discord server, I think it was Inscrutable Owl or somebody, a couple of different people have said, hey, George, I'd love to see your reaction on this trailer of this crazy mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. I did a couple of them. They were well received, it seemed like. So I've done uh, three of them now. And I think I'll keep doing them as long as people keep watching them because they're super easy to shoot. I love watching trailers and finding out about new movies. And mm-hmm. it's fun to kind of pick them apart and decide if I'd like to go see them or not. You're the movie guy. Why not? Who better? (laughs) The, uh, the third thing I'm looking the most forward to is finally finishing the final edits on turnbuckles and territory. It's been a labor of love for going on close to a year now with the planning and everything else. Mm -hmm. And I've only got two more episodes left to edit. So I've been editing them ahead of time because we recorded ahead of time. And so that makes the process a lot easier. And uh, Barry and Captain Kiwi have been awesome co-hosts and been a great help to me in this endeavor. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to, you know, completing the first season, putting it together in a bow and, you know, then we'll see what we're going to do for the next thing. That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. And and a great, a great show it's been. It's a lot of fun, getting a lot of good uh, traction, but good comments over in discord. People really enjoy it, especially people popping in and you're like, you can tell the wrestling fans are because they're always in that (laughs) section of the discord server, you know? Right. (laughs) Yep. What about you, John? You looking forward to anything besides Creed 3? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're looking forward to Creed 3 enough for all of us. So I, I went to pick Probably. some other things. I think you mentioned it before. might have been you, Mo. But History of the World Part 2, as yeah. we record mm. this, has not yet come out. I think it will have by the time this episode drops. But I saw some more trailers for that. And I'm just, it's just, I haven't seen a movie like that in so long. That mm-hmm. kind of just absurdist comedy from like a Mel, not from someone like Mel Brooks, from Mel Dan Brooks. From Mel Brooks, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that just looks so good. I'm looking forward to that so much. Uh, the next thing that looks really intriguing, coming March 10th to theaters, is a film called 65. 65. With Adam Driver. Have you seen the trailer for this? Oh, yeah. He's like a spaceship pilot and he's like a long range mission. They crash and somehow, according to the trailer, they're in the future, but they crash in prehistoric Earth and there's dinosaurs everywhere and it's him and this little girl and he's got this laser gun. I don't know. It's dinosaur movies. Adam Driver has, I mean, Kylo Ren, blah, 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 blah. He's proven himself to be an amazing actor way outside yeah. of... Oh, yeah, yeah, He got recognition in Star Wars, but man, is he an actor. Holy mm-hmm. Moses. So, like, I'll see anything he does at this point. So, I don't need an excuse. This looks good on its own, too. So, but that's coming March 10th. The thing I'm most looking forward to, uh, a real left field thing. Atari was doing those recharged games. We had Breakout Recharged, mm-hmm. a Missile Command Recharged, obvious stuff. They have a new one going coming out March 9th. It's called Caverns of Mars Recharged. Now, this is a deep cut. You probably don't know what Caverns of Mars no is. is. I don't. So uh, very briefly, I'll talk about it later when I review the game or I talk more about the game, but this was a game that was written for the Atari home computers by a hobbyist through Atari's encouraging independent people to write games and mail them into Atari. Someone wrote huh. this game. It just blew up. But back when you couldn't have an internet to go viral, everybody huh. I knew had Caverns of Mars and it wasn't written by Atari or anybody. It was by, I don't know his name, Joe Schmo, just this guy. It was a kid, I'm sure. But they dug into that 
that in the Atari 8-bit library to recharge really? it. It looks pretty fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So really looking forward to that one. So how about you, Mo? What do you got coming? Well, one is uh, actually watching The Mandalorian, you know, since this mm. just started. Mm. Got a whole good season. I've, I'm trying to manage my expectations and hope that's mm. good. <laughs> um there's a show coming on AMC called Lucky Hank hmm. with Bob Odenkirk. Is going to be oh, okay. That's a big plus. Um, it definitely looks. It looks interesting. It looks. It's from the same guys that Breaking Bad. So, oh. you know, and since he's now done with you know his other show, Call Saul. It, it's just, it looks interesting. And so, I'm definitely looking forward to that. It starts March 19th. It's going to be an okay. AMC. And then what I'm probably, I want to say most looking for, but yeah, kind of, I'm not sure how I feel, how much I'm looking forward to this, to be honest, <laughs> is the new Shazam movie, Fury of the Gods. Oh, yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed the first one. It was mm-hmm. tongue in cheek. It didn't take itself too seriously. It was entertaining, had a good story, cared about the characters. So I'm hoping they don't screw it up with this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's probably yeah. my biggest worry that they just take it that step too far where it's the just sophomore not. outing. Yeah. Scary. Um, It's got Helen Mirren in it and a whole bunch of really top A-listers in it. So it's kind of interesting. So that's probably what I'm most looking forward to. Cool. All right. A lot of great stuff. Hey, before we leave, I want to real quickly send a shout out and a thank you to a brand new Patreon supporter. And this is Amy. She headed over to Patreon to show her support for Gen X Grown Up. I think maybe we found her through YouTube. I mean, a lot of our uh, new members come through the podcast. I think uh, she joined us right after one of our videos where we had a plea. Uh, Amy, I guess, has been watching for some time and decided that it was time to support Gen X Grown Up financially. We'd love that you did, Amy. Thank you so much for that. You and everyone else who supports us there. If you'd like to join Amy in this amazing squad, it's easy. Head over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon for as little as a buck a month. You can add your name into the hat to support what it is that we do over here. We certainly, certainly appreciate it. That is going to wrap it up then for this edition of the show. We'll be back in two weeks with another one, but next week is our backtrack. <laughs> That's where we pick a single nostalgic topic to dig in deep on. And we have always been huge proponents of the Gen X experience. We love the 80s. Mm-hmm. We love everything about yes. that era. Mostly. <laughs> there are a few things that are associated with our generation that we cannot stand. So in this upcoming backtrack, we are going to go through the things about being a Gen Xer in the 80s that we just absolutely despise. That might be harsh, but that's the intent. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> So if you want to hear us talk about stuff we love, see you in two weeks. If you want to hear us talk about stuff we can't stand, that's going to come in your way next week on The Backtrack. We hope you'll join us for that one. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you, pal. Always fun, man. <laughs> Fourth listener, it is you we all appreciate most of all. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. George, that's part of your new. It's a, we, it's we, have, now. we have some new responsibilities for you, but no additional compensation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're already doing that. Thanks. He's like, story of my life. <laughs> you know how that works. I just saw. Yeah. I I didn't even see your mouth move because of the pixelation stuff. They can't hear that. (laughs) They can't hear me. Hear you giving me the middle finger. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.